Today, I want to talk about what it means to have our confidence found in Christ alone. And to do that, we're going to continue working our way through the book of Hebrews as we are going to do this entire summer. And we find ourselves this morning in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12, uh, 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It's here in this passage that the author of Hebrews refers to Jesus as the great high priest. Now, if you know anything about the high priest, this language or this title is redundant because to be the high priest means you were the greatest. So it's almost as if the author is saying he's the great, great high priest. It's as if the author is lost for words when thinking about Jesus and how to describe him here in the book of Hebrews, he has to say he's even greater than any high priest you've encountered or you've witnessed. And because he is the great, great priest, the great, great high priest, it is for this reason that you can place your confidence, your utter confidence in him, in him alone. I don't know what your struggle is in life, but my struggle is waking up every day and having confidence in Rob, fighting the temptation to have your confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone. In the infamous words of the former NFL wide receiver Terrell Owens, I love me some me. And if we're honest, we all love me some me. Actually, the problem going all the way back to the garden is our first parents loved me some me. Our first parents said, I don't want to place my confidence in my creator in whom I've been created in his image, but instead I want to place my confidence in myself. And we have been reaping the consequences of having our misplaced confidence in ourselves from the very beginning. But it is here in Hebrews chapter 4 that it gives us the reason for why we should and can have our confidence in Christ and in him alone. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Can we really have confidence in anything? Is it possible to have absolute, unwavering, rock-solid confidence in anything or any person? There is not one person in the room or anybody listening at home that is immune from at one point in your life, or maybe even right now, that you can recognize that I once had confidence in someone or something only to be disappointed, 
confidence in your future, confidence in a spouse, confidence in your family, confidence in your career, confidence in your financial position, confidence in a politician, maybe even confidence in a church, only to be sorely disappointed. And the one lesson we can take away amongst many lessons in the book of Hebrews is that there is only one place, one person in which we can have an absolute rock solid, take it to the bank, unwavering confidence that regardless what happens under the sun, our confidence can never be shaken through the one, Jesus Christ. That is the vision that the author of Hebrews is presenting. And in particular, these verses present us with the reason why we can place our ultimate confidence in Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews describes Jesus as the incomparable high priest, the one who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, and third, the one who gives us complete access to the throne of grace. But the first thing we see, the first reason why we can place our confidence in Jesus alone, in verse 14, we are told that he is the incomparable high priest. Not only does the author tell us that we have a great high priest, the author of Hebrews uses priestly language. He says, this great priest has passed through the heavens The phrase passed through is Old Testament temple language that was reserved for the priest. You see, the great high priest in the Old Testament, the high priest was chosen amongst the other priests, and what the high priest was responsible with was once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would make sacrifice on behalf of the people of God, and he would pass through. He would pass through the court of the Gentiles, He would pass through the holy place, eventually passing through to the most holy place, where at the Ark of the Covenant, he would make atonement on behalf of the people of God using the blood of the sacrificial lamb. But here we're told that he is the great high priest, Jesus Christ, who does not pass through the earthly sanctuary, who does not pass through the earthly temple, but instead passes through the heavens. And this is the reason why he is a high priest unlike any other, because he does not pass through the earthly temple, but he passes through the heavenly temple. And because by virtue of his ascension, he passes through the heavenly temple, it means that there is no longer a need for any future high priest. Because this high priest, Jesus Christ, will not make atonement once a year in the earthly sanctuary, but he has made atonement once and for all in the heavenly temple. He does not have access to God once a year in the earthly sanctuary, but he has full access to God day and night on your behalf if you are a child of God. And this high priest, Jesus Christ, does not pass through the heavens and stand before God pleading our case with the blood of bulls and goats, but he stands at the right hand of God the Father and he pleads our case with his own blood. He stands before the Father on our behalf and says, it is on the basis of my blood, my righteous blood, 
your children are forever forgiven. That should make you weep when you think of Jesus, the great high priest, pleading your case and my case with his very own precious blood. There is no high priest like this Jesus. He is the incomparable one. And for that reason, we can place our confidence in him and him alone. Secondly, the author of Hebrews tells us we're able to put our confidence in Jesus because in verse 15, he is the high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. See, the priest at this moment in history were known for their harshness. They were known for their legalism. They were known for their external conformity to the law, but not for their internal brokenness of heart. But this high priest, we're told in verse 15, is a priest like none other because he is able to be a co-sufferer with us. You see, this high priest, Jesus Christ, does not look at our weakness, does not look at our suffering and says to get a hold of ourselves. He does not say to get a grip. He does not say, dig yourself out of the hole, but he actually climbs into the hole with us. We're told of a shepherd who climbs in the valley of the shadow of death and walks with us. And the good news for you and me this morning, if we're found in Jesus Christ, he understands our weakness, but not only because he is fully God. He understands our weakness because he is fully man. Now, I know a lot of people in the church that are uncomfortable with the humanity of Jesus but it is the humanity of Jesus along with the, the divinity of Jesus or the deity of Jesus that brings me the ultimate comfort in life and in death because I have a Savior who is able to understand everything that I've experienced. This is a Savior, Jesus Christ, who understands weakness because Jesus Christ experienced every weakness and every bit of suffering and every temptation that you and I experience in life. This Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He is Emmanuel who suffers with us. He walked the streets. He experienced homelessness. He experienced rejection. He experienced isolation. He had experienced disappointment and even experienced death on a cruel cross and even experienced the abandonment of his father. That's your savior. So there is nothing you go through in life in which Jesus is not able to say, I am right there with you because I have experienced it. He knows, he knows, and he comes in the flesh. And so when the brokenness of this world collapses upon you, you have a savior that is able to say the brokenness of this world fell upon me in ways you will never understand that the brokenness of this world with all of its shame and all of its guilt and all of its sin fell upon me, so nothing is beyond my heart and my sympathy for you. We can place our confidence in him, not only because he is fully God, but because he is fully man and able to sympathize with every weakness. Third, the author of Hebrews in verse 16 
tells us is we can place our confidence in him alone because he alone gives us complete access to the throne of grace. We're told, let us, in verse 16, with confidence draw near. But here's the dilemma and the problem that has been presented to us in the word of God. You and I have committed cosmic treason. We are sinners. We we are sinful by nature. And all throughout the Bible, we are told that we are alienated, separated from God, that it's impossible actually to draw near to God because of the cosmic treason that we have committed against the king. God is holy and we are not. And there is an infinite gap that no human being could ever close, that could ever fill that gap between the holiness of God and the unholiness of humanity. But this verse says that we can draw near. Once again, using priestly language, the only person that could draw near to God was the high priest in the Old Testament. And the only reason he could draw near to the throne is because his sins had been atoned for. His sins had been forgiven. And so when we are told in verse 16 that we can draw near, it is a clue to us that forgiveness is possible that the redemption and the atonements of our sin is possible and can be made a reality, and it certainly has been by the work of Jesus Christ. And the reason we can draw near, and to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, is because we look at this throne. And the throne is not made of gold, the throne is not made of precious jewels. But we read in verse 16 that this throne is built of goal, of grace. It is made of grace. And it's only because this is a throne that is made of grace that only gives us the possibility and the confidence that we can draw near knowing that this throne is made up of the victory of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That this throne is made up of all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of our unrighteousness being conquered by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can approach this throne with confidence. You see, it is the throne of grace alone that gives us our foundation for confidence. Because if this throne was made up of anything else, you and I would never stand a chance. You and I would never be able to measure up. But the author says, draw near. Not sheepishly. Not with, not half-heartedly but draw near with confidence. I love the translation of the word confidence here in Hebrews. The literal translation of the word confidence means with a bluntness or a frankness, without reservation or fear. Who does that? How could you ever go before the king, the creator of the heavens and the earth, with frankness and bluntness, with no reservation or no fear. Only if you're a child of God who's been redeemed, born again, been made alive by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is our only hope. 
If your confidence is in anything less than Jesus Christ, you have set yourself up for a life of disappointment and devastation, a life of misery. If your confidence is in your marriage or your children or your career or your performance, if your confidence is in how you look or your health or whatever you have tried to accomplish in this life, you will forever be disappointed. Uh, Your uh, confidence can alone be in Jesus Christ. And you can have this confidence this morning for the first time simply by acknowledging Jesus Christ, his blood, his righteousness, his victory over death and sin on your behalf and be adopted by God so that he becomes your father and you become an heir to the throne. That's your dad if you're in Jesus Christ. The creator of the heavens and the earth becomes your dad with all of the rights and all of the privileges of a child of God. Do you know what the implications are of this? To have your hope and your confidence in Christ alone, it actually means you can relax. I see a lot of anxious people out there. I see a lot of anxious people in our society and in our culture, and unfortunately, the church is not immune. If your confidence is in Christ and you're a child of the Father, it means you can actually relax and act with confidence knowing you know how the story will end and regardless of what happens in this life, you know you're a child of God. The creator is your father. Act like it. You can relax. Your dad is the creator of the universe. What a glorious promise for those that are found in Jesus Christ. If you've been a part of our church and maybe you've come to my office, you know where it's located, right? Right to my left, behind those glass windows. And if you come to my office and you've made an appointment, it's fairly routine. After you've made the appointment, you come to my office, you're greeted by our executive assistant, Charlotte West. If I'm in a meeting, you wait in the common area, and once I'm done with my meeting, I take my guest out, and the next guest comes in, and it kind of just It's like clockwork, all day, every day. But occasionally, there's two guests that come unannounced. Occasionally, there's two guests that just barge right in. No appointment. And regardless of what I'm doing, they come through the door and they give me a hug. Now, who has the audacity to barge in unannounced, no appointment, and just hug their pastor? Only my children do. (laughs) Because I'm not only their pastor, I'm their father. But listen, if you are a child of God, that is the type of access you have. That is the type of access you have all day, every day, before the throne of grace. If you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Today is the day where you can confess openly and honestly without fear of condemnation, Jesus Christ, I have lived my whole life with confidence in myself. 
thinking I could somehow fix this broken mess. But today, for the first time, I place my confidence in you. The only one that can bridge that chasm between a holy God and my sinful self. You've taken my sin. You've taken my brokenness. You've taken my entire life that is built upon me. And you nailed it to the cross. Today is the day I come home. Today is the day that I freely, with confidence, draw near before the throne of grace and I become a child. If that is your hope, in a few minutes I'm going to pray and you can speak to this God and he can become your father forever. Your only hope in life and in death. So I ask you, when's the last time you just knocked the door down and you came in And you drew near with confidence because of Jesus and him alone, you can enter in freely with no strings attached. There is no other way to have utter absolute confidence. So children of God, if you are found in Jesus this morning and the finished work of him alone, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace.